Wednesday night prayer is cranking. We just started three weeks ago, every Wednesday night from 7 to 8. It's in your bulletin. We've had 20 plus people showing up for one hour, just blowing a storm of prayer. And they have been powerful. So when you come to the location, there's a big banner out there that says gathering place prayer. You can't miss it. Show up, dedicate one hour to praying God's kingdom come. It will revolutionize your own personal prayer life to get in that kind of an atmosphere. Not to mention what happens in this house. Speaking of. I'm now jumping into my message. Last week, we're in a series on community. And as Tim just rightfully said, we are the church no matter where we go. We are a community and we have unity around what we have in common. And Jesus is our first point of reference. He is who we have in common. Then the fact we've all been saved by the blood of Jesus. If you haven't, you can take care of that today by asking Christ into your heart. He'll forgive you completely for your sins and you will become a child of God instantaneously. Because salvation is a free gift because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we have unity in the family of God and there are many elements that unify us. And so last week I was teaching on uh, creating a culture of honor in the house. And... I got halfway through the message and I talked about how, why it's so important to honor one another. And then I was going to get into the practical steps of honoring one another. Husbands to wives, wives to husbands, parents to kids, kids to parents, employees to employers, vice versa, church members to leadership, leadership to membership. And this week, I mean, I had the sermon all done. I had one person say, she was a little bit irritated. You set us up. I was ready. I had my pen and paper ready to go. And then you stopped the sermon. Well, she is going to be really angry now because this week I felt the Holy Spirit leading me in a completely different direction. And I said, oh, no, Lord. And I mean, it was like four or five confirmations throughout the week. And I was thinking, you know, sometimes when you think God is saying something to you, you kind of see it everywhere. And it's not necessarily that he's doing it. It's just that you're aware of this particular subject or topic. And so finally, it's Saturday, yesterday, and I said, Lord, if this is truly you, I want an undeniable sign that this is what the church needs to hear right now. Because I've got my sermon all done. The PowerPoint's done. The notes are done. People are ready. I walked up to my son's Little League coach yesterday at the big uh, uh, ending ceremonies. And we walk up. I said, hey, Will, how you doing? He's the associate pastor of a church in Escondido. And he looks at me. And the first thing out of his mouth was, you wouldn't believe what I preached on Wednesday night. It was awesome. And he told me what it was. And it was exactly what God (laughs) told me to teach. So this tells me that the Holy Spirit wants us to get this today. And if you're upset that I'm not going to finish the honor series, take that up with the Holy Spirit. So, so would you go with me to Matthew chapter 18 today? And one of the things I love about the church we have, every church does it differently. So I am not competing or comparing. I'm just saying the differences. Many churches are trained to make sure that the drama team and the worship team and every other team knows what the sermon is going to be. Uh, way ahead of time, and then everybody puts all of it together so it's all one message. Um, what we like to do at, in this church is we don't tell each other. Because it is so cool when we all have the same message from the children's church to the youth church 
to the adult church, to the music, and then the prophetic words that come, like I got one this morning, and it's all saying the same message. Isn't that fun? It's just a different way of doing it. And so in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus embarks on a topic that the Holy Spirit wants us to talk about today, and that is forgiveness. And today I want to talk to you about why forgive. I got this message. Sometimes, it, I don't know if you know this, but most teachers, preachers spend about 30 hours a week preparing the message. It might not seem that way. <laughs> the amount of prayer, study, thought, that goes into it is about 30 hours. My wife yesterday said, oh, great. When I came home, I said to the pastor friend, thanks a lot. Yesterday at the park, when he told me what the Lord had him teach on, which I knew was the confirmation, I said, thanks a lot. You just gave me a whole lot of work to do today. And then I came home, my wife said, oh, great. You're going to be in your office all day. You know, these sermons just don't, you know, come out of the microwave. This one did. It took less than 10 minutes. The Holy Spirit wants to speak this to us. And I want to hit on the topic of why forgive. Let's go to Matthew chapter 18. And what is important when you're reading the Bible is not to just take a little passage out of context. When you read the Bible, especially the Gospels, you've got to find out where the red begins and where the red ends and read the whole thing. And then you'll find that Jesus is teaching on one topic. And when it seems like he changes topics, you have to listen and you have to read until you see how they connect. And all of a sudden, the kingdom begins to open up to you. And so in Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 1, it says, At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? So what is the topic right now? Being great in the kingdom of heaven, not the kingdom of the earth. The kingdom of heaven. This is what's at stake here. Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst and said, As surely I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. This taps into a revelation that I shared at the turn of the year about the restoration of innocence. That to be able to see God, recognize God, and to flow in his kingdom, our hearts need to be pure as little children in their innocent state. This is critical. And our hearts get so clogged up with the misuses and abuses of life that we find ourselves short-circuiting in our spiritual passion and revelation of God and the kingdom of God. And we struggle. Jesus is saying to be great in the kingdom of God, your heart needs to be pure. It needs to be clean. You need to keep your heart. Clean and pure so that the kingdom of God, the love of God, the revelation of God can flow through it. Because the heart is the generator of your soul and of your life. The Bible says, protect your heart with all diligence. All diligence. For out of it flows the issues or the boundaries or the condition, the parameters, the reality of your life. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the, say it, heart, your mouth speaks and reveals what's in your heart. The heart is the most critical issue when we are walking with God. 
And so Jesus talks about innocence in the kingdom. Then he starts to talk about what destroys the innocence in our heart. And he says in verse seven, woe to the world because of offenses, trespasses against one another. And so then he does his whole teaching going down through Matthew about offending one another, trespassing against one another. Now, this is so profound and so prevalent in the human relationship that Jesus put it in the daily prayer. Forgive me of my trespasses as I forgive those who trespass against me. That's a daily prayer and it's before the day begins. I pray that prayer to set up my day. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give me this day my daily bread. Now, you would not pray that prayer as you're going to bed, right? You pray that prayer before the day begins. Give me this day my daily bread. Forgive me my trespasses. In other words, I will probably trespass against somebody today. And I'm asking you in advance to forgive me for those trespasses. As I right now am choosing to forgive anybody who trespasses against me today. See, it's a posture of entering the day. You know, Jesus walked this way. And if you are a magnet for offenses, a magnet for uh, retaining other people's sins, your spiritual arteries are all clogged up. And it's no wonder you have a difficult time staying spiritually passionate for God. And Jesus is calling us back to a pure heart and innocence. And so he goes through how to how to uh, deal with a brother or sister who has offended you and how to reconcile. I'm not dealing with a how to today. Mark has a great teaching on that. And he may teach that in a couple of weeks. Maybe not. You can also get a tape series on that. I want to talk to the wife again because this is what I found as the Holy Spirit was ministering to me this week. When I got down done with a why to forgive, I didn't need anybody to tell me how. I was just going to do it. You'll see what I mean in a few minutes. So we're going to jump into this passage starting in verse 21. Remember, the whole chapter is about being innocent like a child so the kingdom of God can flow through you. And offenses and unforgiveness, bitterness and resentment is what clogs up the kingdom of God in your life. Are you ready? Are you ready? You ready to get free? All right, because that's what the Holy Spirit's after today. He's not here to shame us and condemn us for this. He's trying to get us free so God can flow through us and through our church. Your home, your marriage. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall I shall my brother sin against me? I'm going to read down through this whole passage. You're going to be amazed that I'm not going to make one comment until I'm done reading the whole text. You watch. Encourage me. All right. I believe you. Then Peter came to him and said, I'm going to read really fast. So I can't so I can't interrupt myself. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but to 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven. Is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and that payment be made. 
The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant. You see, I'm not going to comment, but I will emphasize certain points. I'm not commenting. I'm not commenting. I'm just explaining that I'm just emphasizing certain points rather than commenting on them. If you haven't noticed, should you not have also had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Peter was approaching forgiveness from the point of counting how many times he has to forgive before he then can open up a can. You see, he was coming, he was coming at it from a very religious posture. The duty, the rules of the kingdom. Okay, alright, what are the rules? Okay, I have to forgive. How many times? In other words, up to seven times. And then the eighth time, you're dead meat. I fulfilled the law. Jesus is saying, you are not understanding the spirit that I'm saying. Jesus is coming out of the context of Matthew 18 of the church community. If a brother sins, go to him. If he won't repent, then take somebody with you. And then if that won't, they won't repent, go to the church. Jesus is talking about how a church can remain unified so the kingdom can flow through the unity of that church. And he's talking about humility. And so out of this context of Jesus teaching Peter how to be the apostle of the upcoming church age, Peter is saying, well, how many times do you want me to forgive my brother? And Jesus' response was, unlimited forgiveness will keep the church on the right tracks. Unlimited forgiveness is the way the kingdom of God operates. Then Jesus does something he does to these guys so often, he turns it on them. Like one time, the disciples were walking with Jesus, and they really felt superior because they were, of course, walking with the Messiah himself. They were the chosen ones. So they had this habit of pointing out other people's sins. Remember one time John says, hey, these people are casting out demons, but they're not part of our group, Jesus. The Baptists don't do it the way we do it. They're half gospel. That's what you say when you say we're full gospel, you know. And you know the Baptists love it when we say that. And Jesus said, nobody can do a miracle in my name and soon after that speak evil of me, just leave him alone. One time they were walking along Luke chapter 13 and they were saying, 
you know, you know, Pilate mingled the blood, blood into the sacrifices. And, and uh, do you think that's why bad things are happening? And Jesus says, do you think that bad things have happened because of that sin? But unless you repent, even worse will come upon you. Or do you then he goes on? And that's when the disciples know, oh, my gosh, we shouldn't have said that. We shouldn't have asked that question because Jesus goes on. Or do you think that temple fell in Siloam on those people because they were worse sinners than anybody else? But no, I say, unless you repent, a worse thing will come upon you. See, Jesus likes to turn it right back on you and me and say, I'm talking to you about you. Isn't that what I how many times do I say that to our kids at home? Right. They come tattling and I say, I'm talking to you about you, not about your sisters or your brother. I'm talking about you. They're going you see, when you bring it home right to the individual, all of a sudden you can do self-examination and realize, wait a minute, i got my own stuff to work on. I don't have the time or energy to be analyzing and sheriffing everybody else's morality. This is what Jesus is doing here. Watch, he turns it. And he starts talking to Peter about what will happen to him if he does not forgive from his heart. So here are four things that should motivate us toward forgiving. Why forgive? Number one, so that you will be forgiven. Look at Jesus said again in Matthew 6. Remember the Lord's Prayer? After the Lord's Prayer, where, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's seven parts of that prayer. When he's all done with that prayer, seven, seven, seven categories of prayer in the Lord's Prayer. I don't have time to go through them, but there's seven, seven areas of your human life that Jesus addressed in that Lord's Prayer. And when it's all done, he only took out one of those seven points and expounded on it. And it was on the area of forgiveness. And this is what he said. For if you forgive men what they, when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But, this is Jesus talking, if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Do you know what that means in the Greek and the original language that it wrote, that it was written in? It means this. If you do not forgive people their sins, God will not forgive you your sins. I think, I thank Jesus he does not pull punches because I want to be free. What this probably means is that there are those of us in this church this morning who we think our sins are forgiven and they are not. And you know what that's called? A closed heaven and an open hell in your life. So my question to you this morning is, do you want an open heaven and a closed hell in your life? Or a closed heaven and an open hell? Because according to what Jesus taught here and many other places in the Bible, unforgiveness is a sin, a trespass against heaven that gives Satan access to torment you. Because it's a miscarriage of justice. You say, well, how can that be? Jesus very clearly said that in his parable that this man's sin against the master representing God was about $10 million. You know, the, the, the 10,000 talents or the, how much did he say? He said uh, 10,000 talents is a euphemism, meaning more money than you can imagine. And then the hundred denarii is like some pocket change. That's how God views the sins that other people have done against you. Now, from our viewpoint, and some of you have been trespassing sin against deeply and hurtful, and I am not 
trying to minimize that. But when we compare it to how heaven views the way we have sinned against God, it is like an insurmountable amount of money compared to pocket change. That is why when we grab a hold of our ex-husband, our ex-wife, our father, our former pastor, whoever it might be, and we have them, our hands around their neck in our hearts, We are living in a miscarriage of justice and the courts of heaven cannot ignore that after Jesus Christ was slaughtered on the cross for your and my sins. One lady came to me at church one time. She was a visitor. Unfortunately, she never came back. But what she said was, you know, sin just means missing the mark, like an archer just missing of target. It's not that big of a deal. And I said, oh, somebody should have told God that before he sacrificed his son on the cross. You see, our view of sin needs to become God's view of sin before we can have the humility to forgive others because we will have a revelation of how much we have been forgiven. And that's a big word right there. We really need a revelation of how we have offended God. You see, according to this passage, what the man owed was way more than he could ever pay back. He said, you gotta, you're going to be sold, your wife, your family, and everything you own is going to be sold. And it's still not going to pay back all that you owe me. And you're going to be in prison until you can pay it all back, which means he's going to be in there forever. Because salvation can never be earned. A person who's on a works program with God, well, I'm a good person, you know, I mean, I've, I've done some bad things, but I've done good too. And when I get to heaven, I'm sure the accounts will be settled and God will find out that I had more good than bad. You are on the program that will keep you in prison for eternity. This is what he's saying. You and I owe God a debt that is beyond anything we can ever pay back. Because the Bible says the penalty of sin is death. That's why Jesus died for you and for me. And he paid the price. But I can't preach that revelation unto you. The Holy Spirit needs to reveal to our hearts how we have offended God and how much of a price was paid from heaven to have our sins forgiven, which was the blood of Jesus, before we will have the humility to forgive one another. Look what Matthew Henry says, the great theologian. The pardon of sin does not slacken, but rather strengthens our obligation to obedience. So the first thing that needs to sink down into our thinking is I must forgive so that the heavens over my life will be opened and hell's doors will be shut in my life. Secondly, why forgive so that you will be free from torment? It is not just the closing of heaven's blessings over your life. Jesus Jesus Christ himself here says that you will be tormented. The brother or the sister that that you would not forgive is in prison. But you are being tormented. St. Augustine gives a quote that's pretty profound. This is what he says. Resentment 
is the poison you drink and hope the other person dies. Now look what, uh, I know I went uh, backwards, tech team. I'm sure you can go with me. Hebrews 12, 14 and 15 says this. Make every effort to live in peace with all men. Make every effort. And to be holy. Now, the word holy there, the reason it's coupled together with live in peace, is because when your heart is clean of bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness, you can live at peace with all people. And without this holiness, no one will see the Lord. In other words, the kingdom shuts down when we are harboring unforgiveness in our heart. You can't see God. You can't recognize God. You find yourself not being able to discern the kingdom accurately. What's going on in your personal relationships? What's happening in your church? You become critical. You become judgmental. You can't see straight. You can't see the kingdom because the heart is full of bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness. You cannot see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God. The grace of God here is meaning not just uh, unmerited favor. It means the power to Live holy and live at peace with others. Don't miss the grace of God. God, when you've been offended, God comes with grace that's available. So if you'll come to me and you will start actively, actively forgiving that person, I will give you the grace in your heart, the power, the supernatural ability to forgive that person because you're on the right track. Heaven's behind you. You're doing the right thing. You're acting like my son. I will give you the grace to do this. And if you do not receive the grace, if you miss the grace of God, a bitter root will grow up and cause trouble and defile, pollute many. Now today before service, I, this morning I was reading, I was looking up that word holiness there and the word purity is what came up. And you remember Jesus said in Matthew 5, and I was looking this up this morning, he said, the pure in heart will see God. I looked up the word pure, and it means a heart that is clean and free of all debris, resentment, sin, anger, bitterness. That's a pure heart. It says the pure in heart will see God. Remember how I said in this church, this particular church, the way we like to do things is we like to keep things spontaneous so the Holy Spirit can spontaneously speak. As I walked through the doors, um, uh, one of the members of the church came up to me and said, I believe I have a prophetic word from the Lord. Well, when that happens, I'm like, I know this is going to be right on. And she hands me this book. And in the passage, she says it's it's, uh, one and a half page or yeah, uh, a whole page about the blessings of the pure in heart. Now, you know how many subjects are in the Bible? And then, out of a page and a half, there's only one line that is underlined. And it says, for thy heart is pure. And to the pure of heart is the promise given that they shall see God. If you're having a hard time discerning God, seeing God, walking with God... Seeing God work in your life, you need to check yourself to see who it is you have in the cage of your heart that you are not forgiving. The Bible says that you are being tormented. This could also include sickness and disease. It's interesting, many times when uh, the Bible says to pray for the sick, in James it says, if, you, if any of you are sick, let him call for these elders of the church, let them lay hands on them, anoint them with oil, pray the prayer of faith, and the Lord will raise them up, and if they've committed any sins... 
like the sin of unforgiveness, they shall be forgiven. Many times sickness is connected to sin. Not all the time. Many times it is. That's why you can come down for prayer. We can pray over you and you don't get healed. Not every time, but sometimes this is the source of it. You have unforgiveness in your heart. I'm going to say we. I'm not preaching at you. I'm talking to us. We, many times, have unforgiveness in our heart. Do you know the Bible says if you don't treat your wife right, your prayers won't be answered? Amen. You see, we cannot trespass against one another and think that heaven's going to open up. We can sing, open up the sky, pour down like rain. God's going, no, nah, not going to do it. You know, well, we're doing this to our neighbor. Open up the sky. Pour down like rain. You're an idiot. Let the fire of God fall. I hate you. Open up the sky. (laughs) The Holy Spirit's trying to bust open. Trying to bust open this church. Bust open blessings. God wants to invade this place at a higher level. to To the level of our prayers that we've been praying. And he says, well, all right, you want that? Let me talk to you about one thing that will clog up the pipe, provision of pipeline from heaven. And that is having unforgiveness in your heart. Number three, why should I forgive? So that you won't be judged. Look what Jesus says again. You know, the nice, soft savior on the donkey. Do not judge or you too will be judged by heaven. You understand that when you and I are not forgiving somebody. We are sitting on the seat of judgment over them. And you and I were never called by heaven to be judges of anybody or anything. But, this, but being sinned against makes us feel like we have the right to judge that person. Well, we would if we had not already been forgiven for our sins. So the judge upon the throne then is judging you for judging others. Jesus said very clearly, and you might say, well, maybe I'll be judged, but it won't be that bad. Jesus says very plainly, this is how the kingdom operates. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I'm saying, God, I forgive everybody. (laughs) I'm I'm giving everybody mercy. I'm telling you many, many times when I've sinned against somebody or they think I have even a perceived offense, I've said, will you please forgive me? Let's just let's just get this cleaned up. We've got to get this cleaned up. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? He then begins to start having us look at ourselves again to help us not judge. Now, my wife was offended, uh, trespassed against one time, and uh, she was sitting on the couch in our living room. And she said the spirit of the Lord came upon her and You know when God impresses something on you? He says a whole lot. That is very difficult to articulate in English because God has descended upon you and you know the message. Sometimes it's, I love you so much. Other times, it's what she got, which was, You have no right to hold somebody else in judgment. And she said when he said it to her, the the message was, you're about to be judged. 
And so you can ask her probably three times a day. I'd say, honey, how are you doing with that forgiveness thing? Because I believe this. I do not want judgment coming on our family because we have chosen not to forgive other people who have trespassed against us. She gets me too, though. Today I was walking through the kitchen. And uh, my son read and said, hey, the president of the Little League is not going to be the same president next year. And I said, praise God. I went... And she said, honey, have you forgiven him? (laughs) Who made you my sheriff? God, I know. You see, but the reason we're doing that is not is not to berate one another is to keep our house free so the kingdom can flow. All right, Father, I forgive him right now in the name of Jesus. I bless him. Bless him, Father. He needs it. All right. Our prayers are all mixed most of the time, aren't they? Which brings up the last point, and this is one that we have the hard time with. And that is, so they will be set free. Why should we forgive? So they will be set free. Now, that is something we don't want in our flesh. We don't want them to be set free. We want them to pay for what they did to me. Do you remember what St. Augustine said? Resentment is a poison we drink hoping the other person will die. Jesus said, don't return evil for evil. Return good for evil. And it will be like placing hot coals on their head. And we think that means, yeah, we'll burn them. That's not what it means. Hot coals was a, was a, was a commodity back in where they carried the hot coals on their head uh, in a basket so that they can have wood uh, and fire to cook the meals. In other words, Jesus is saying, return blessings for evil. My father will take care of the justice part. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. You can't handle it. It will clog up the kingdom flowing through your life. Give it into my hands. Give them to me. And then Jesus says, pray for those who spitefully use you and mistreat you. Why? Because when you begin to pray for people who have hurt you, it's an amazing power as you agree with heaven, and I mean, sometimes I'd rather eat a bowl of rocks than pray for somebody that has hurt me. Really. Jesus, tell me to eat, tell me to eat grape nuts. And I, <laughs> and I will do that, even if it'll cracks my teeth, than to have to pray blessings on that person. But every time I have obeyed that command, what's amazing to me is the compassion of God begins to flow through my heart. Not my compassion. He is because I'm obeying Him. You know the scripture I'm memorizing today? For those of you, there's only 20 of these left. These scripture memory systems. Uh, I bought 50 of them for the church. Or you bought them from your offerings. I used your money and bought these. Um, so you might as well go get one, but they're going to cost you five bucks. How does that work? Um, That was a horrible advertisement, wasn't it? You You had to pay for these twice. The point is to memorize the Word of God, no matter what it costs. It's more precious than silver and gold. Obedience to Christ. Whoever has my commandments and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I too will love him and show myself to him. 
John 14, 21. I want Jesus to continue to show himself to me and to my wife and to my kids. And my so I want to obey him. And one of the things he said was pray for those who have mistreated you and play, pray blessings upon them and let God decide how the chips fall. But your heart will stay free. The Bible says, blessed is he who's blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. The person that you forgive will be blessed and you will be like your father in heaven, making it to shine on the on the righteous and the unrighteous, the rain on the thankful and the unthankful. We become like our father in heaven when we forgive those and bless those who have transpassed against us. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him. And whose spirit there is no deceit. In other words, when a person has been forgiven and they've, they've received forgiveness and you've had this reconciliation, it says there's no deceit in their heart. There's no deception. The darkness leaves. Your heart is cleansed. So the kingdom can flow again. And the Bible says, blessed is the person that does this. And you might say, I don't want to do this. This is what I want to say to all of us today. If we love God, we will forgive those He loves. Forgiving those who have trespassed against us is forgiving those God loves and that Jesus died for. We get on God's page. Say, so God, they trespassed against me, but you created that person and you love that person. You want that person to be in heaven forever. You know I don't, but I know that you do. And so I am going to forgive them because you love them. And I want to be pleasing to you. Not to mention heaven being opened over our home. I want to be pleasing to you. Well, let me tell you this last story and then we'll close with this. And we're going we're gonna to give an opportunity for forgiveness. But let me say this before we go there. The Bible says if somebody has ought against you, you know that you've offended somebody and they are offended by you, you've got to go directly to them. Quit going to other people and polluting. Remember, bitterness in your heart defiles you and defiles many. When you have anger at your boss or anger at your wife or your husband or anger at somebody... It comes out of your mouth and begins to pollute your community. And other people take up your offense. And all of a sudden there's just this division in the body of Christ. Jesus says, go directly to the person who has offended you. We looked at that a couple weeks ago. A goes to B, right? A doesn't go to C, D, E, F, and G, and H, and I. A goes to B. And then it's when you've offended somebody, you need to go and ask for forgiveness. What it doesn't say is if somebody has offended you in your own mind... Go and ask them forgiveness. See, somebody came to our church one time when I was an associate pastor. It was a guest speaker, and they preached on this forgiveness thing, but they didn't clarify, and it left it like a big free-for-all. And he, let, he did not clarify like I am right now. And he said, if anybody, if you've ever been hurt by somebody, go tell them. Well, the problem is, most of us have these perceived hurts. And the other associate pastor and I, at the end of service, had a line out the door of people. And we're standing there just taking hits for like an hour after the service. You know, when I first came here, you reminded me of my father and I hated you, but I forgive you now. <laughs> you know, when I, when I first met you, you know, I just thought you thought you were all that in a bag of chips. But now I realize that you're not like that at all. And so I forgive you. And it just gets ridiculous. All these Offenses we have within ourselves that really aren't real offenses. What's well, so process most of that with the Lord? Let's be mature and just get that out. But if somebody has really offended you, like there was an actual encounter, it's a real offense. Jesus says, take care of that. Let me give you an example. 
You owe me because I just protected you from the big long line out the door. All right. Because many, because many of our offenses are just our own issues. The person didn't do anything at all. So you got to work through that. So here's the story I want to tell you. This associate pastor is the coach of my son's little league team, uh, who I hope coaches again next year. Um, he said, when I taught this message, it, it came not only from the Holy Spirit, but the Lord really has been working, was working on me recently. And he said, my father, and he told me the sins of his father, which were gross sins. And he said, I decided I needed to forgive my dad. So I found him. And when I found my dad, he was living on the streets. He was a street person. And he said, I found my father and on the streets, I forgave him for every trespass he ever committed against us. And he said, it completely changed him. And now he is the head chef at one of the most prestigious restaurants in the nation. He said it completely set him free. I pray that we can get completely on the other side of wanting the person to die for what they did to us. To, through the power of forgiveness, let God, partner with God and helping them become what God originally intended them to be. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, clearly you wanted this word preached to this particular congregation today. So we all ask you in this house this morning, if there's offenses, resentment, bitterness, anger, unforgiveness in any of our hearts in this house today, that you would begin to shine light, if you haven't already, I'm sure you have, begin to shine light. We're giving you an opportunity right now in this house to be obedient to you. Shine light in our hearts right now of the resentment, the anger, the bitterness, the unforgiveness that is clogging up our hearts and stopping heaven from flowing through our lives. Holy Spirit's probably brought a face or a name to your mind. Just keep your eyes closed. If he's, if he's brought a face or a name to your mind, just see that person. Just see that person in your mind's eye. And it's okay to get in touch with the emotion. It's all right to feel what you feel. <laughs> 